chapter 4. You can remain seated for our reading today because I am going to read the entirety of the story, not so we can waste time today and fill a slot, but because I feel like it tells a story today that if nobody else needs to hear today, this man needs to hear it. And I believe that the Lord has something that he would like to say. I feel like the Lord has spoken some of your names into my spirit that need this word today. Second Kings chapter 4, we'll begin reading at verse 8, it says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem where there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread, and so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Let me stop right there and say it is good when you find great people that you connect with along life's journey. It's good to have good people around, but it's something special when you come in contact with somebody great. The Bible says, And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passeth by continually. He's around this place often. So let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. I want him to know that this is not just our guest bedroom. I want him to know that this is not just a random space that we might could squeeze him in. But I want him to know this is his room. I want him to know this is his bed and his table, and his tool, and his candlestick. And it fell on a day, in verse 11, that he came thither and he turned into the chamber. And as he was laying there, he looks to his servant and he said, I've been thinking about all that this woman has done for us. I've been thinking of the contribution that her and her husband have both made. I've been thinking about their sacrifice and the price that they paid. And There's something in me and I I want to do something for her. I want to do something that would benefit her and I could give her a word to the king and I could speak a good word for him on her behalf. And 
And the woman is, is there saying, I, I don't need any of that. I don't need anything. And he asks Gehazi, well, what could we possibly do for her? And the Bible says, and he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful. You've, you've taken us in as your own and you've taken such good care of us. What is to be done for thee? Because by doing this unto us, Scripture says that you've done it unto God. When you've done it unto me, you've done it unto Him. Verse 14 said, and He said, when this is to be done for her, and Gehazi answered, barely she hath no child, and her husband is old. And He said, call her. And when He called her, she stood in the door. And He said, about this season... According to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto me, thy handmaid. Don't tell me something that's going to play with my emotions. I I see my life. I see my husband. I know the circumstance that we are in. You don't have to play this favorite card with me. You don't have to do all of this because I didn't do it for that. I didn't do it for recognition. I didn't do it for applause. But he said that you're going to have a child. Fast forward. One verse later, but a long time later, says, And the woman conceived and bear a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. One verse he's saying you're going to have a son. And the very next verse says and when that time came she had a son. It could have been nine months. It could have been nine years. We don't know the gap that was there. We don't know the time frame between that one verse. And then again, we fast forward in the very next verse because now the next verse in verse 18 says, and when the child was grown. So now we went from the expectation and we went to the birth of the child and now the child is grown all within a matter of three verses. There's a lot of story left to be told. There's a lot of blanks to be filled And the Bible says the child was grown and it fell on a day. He went to his father in the field and he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, I want you to take him and I want you to carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. She went up. It's in times like this where it's really easy to get down. It's really easy to just stay at home and and cry and be upset. It's really easy to just say, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to keep living for God this way. When I've done my part and I've served Him and I've served the man of God and then tragedy happens, it's really easy to get down. It's really easy to get discouraged, but the Bible says, and she went up and laid him, not in his bed. She didn't go make a pallet on the floor in mom and dad's room and lay him there. But the Bible says that she took her son, her lifeless son, and she laid him upon the bed of the man of God. 
Now I want you to catch this because I feel it in my spirit that this is important. I wasn't there that day. I only have a few verses of scriptures to try my best to fill in the blanks. But when you consider where she could have laid her son, when you consider all the places that she could have taken him, she could have gone ahead and went to the morgue. She could have gone ahead and went and started planning his funeral. But the Bible says she went up. And the Bible says that she went and laid her son in the bed of the man of God. It's as if that woman in her mind is reminding God of her contribution to the man of God. Of her faithfulness. Of her sincere desire to live right and to do right. God, I could have cared less about this man. I could have cared less about the work of God. I could have gone on my way and saved my money and not built him a room and not paid for him a table and not paid for all the furnishings to prepare him a place. But I did it because I felt it in my spirit to do it. And I am not regretting one thing that I have done for you. But here I stand, a mother who is grieving, and I have come to lay my son in the bed of the man of God as a reminder to you, not that I get accolades, not that I get a pat on the back, but as a reminder that I know who you are and I know that you are faithful and I know that you can do anything. It was impossible for me to even have this child. So I know that you work impossibilities. I know that you can work miracles in my behalf. And so I get to this place and I lay my son on these works. My husband and I, we have given our life to this. We've been people who have served. We have been people who fed the man of God. We developed a relationship with him where he feels welcome here any time that he comes. And the Bible said when he would pass by, he would come into their house. He would lay in that bed and speak to Gehazi. He he enjoyed the commodity that was there. And now I'm laying my son in the bed of the man of God. And I don't think for one second that that was the only place she could have laid him. I don't think this was done without thought or without something in her spirit saying, put him there. I think this was her way of saying, I am laying my son on the works that we have done. He's not saved by works. We are not saved by our works. But God, as a reminder, Lord, of what we've done and and that we've been here and we've been faithful, surely we have not done all of this in vain. Surely we haven't served you all of this time for nothing. And the Bible says that she set her son's body on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she says, I am going to the man of God. I am going to find Elisha. And her husband sitting there and he says, hold on, you can't go to today's really probably not the best day. Today's probably not a good day for you to go and do that. But here you had a mama on a mission. And she says, it shall be well. She just brushes off the complaint. She just brushes off his remarks. And she says, it's going to be okay. It shall be well. 
it shall be well. I don't have time to sit and argue with you right now. I love you, but I've got somewhere to go. I don't have time to sit here and hash things out with you. I've got to get into the house of God. I don't have time to sit here and complain about all of these things. I don't have time to moan. I don't have time to weep. I just need to get to the place where I can talk to God. I need to get to the one who can answer my questions and the one who does all things well her response as if she is ignoring her husband she brushes him off with it shall be well she doesn't say it's all good it's all grand it's all all right but she says it shall be it shall be somebody needs to say that right now it shall be well The message said that she said, don't ask me questions. I need to go right now. Trust me. She comes to the man of God who sees her afar off and told his servant, behold, yonder is that Shunammite woman. I I see her afar off. And this in and of itself tells you the relationship that was there She was not some strange person he did not know. And not only that, but how did she know where he was if he had not just recently been there? Even though her child was old, he's at Mount Carmel. She's in Shunem. There's a great distance between the two. And she knew exactly where to find him. She knew exactly where to go. And that doesn't just happen by accident. That happens because maybe a day or two before he was in the house and sitting there at the table talking and saying, well, this weekend I've got to go to Mount Carmel. This weekend I'm going to be up there on that mountain and I've got some work to do there. So she said, I know where to find him. I know where to go to get him. I know exactly where I'm going. And he said to his servant Gehazi, run to her. And say unto her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And so today, that is my question to you. Is it well? Is what you're going through right now, is your circumstance and and the battle that you have been facing and the tears you've been crying, can you look at it today when the servant asks you, is it well? Obviously shaken up. Obviously things are not great. Her heart, no doubt, gripped by circumstances she is in as a hurting mother. And I know my response. And I know we try to be tough in these trying situations and we try to be stoic because we're people of God and we shall not be shaken and we shall not be moved and we're not going to let a tear fall down these cheeks. And we try to say the right things and respond in the right way. But how this grieving mother whose son lay lifeless in the bed of the man of God was able to say, it shall be well. And then walk right past her husband and walk out the door to where the servant was with the donkey and get on that donkey and say, you don't stop. You don't slow down. 
You don't quit until we get to the man of God. How she was able to push through the tears and the pain, we do not know other than it was a mother in complete desperation. And it astounds me that she had the strength to be there and to do that. And now standing there with the servant when he says, Is everything okay? Is everything well with you and your husband and with the child? To which she responds, It is well. Knowing what she knows, knowing where her son is, knowing the condition and what had happened in her arms, in her lap, is able to stand there and say, it is well. We can call it faith. We can call it persistence. We can call it stubbornness. We can call it neglect and and, and just not wanting to acknowledge the truth and the reality. But perhaps her response was to the husband and to the servant is often how we respond to a servant or to somebody on the pew beside us when they say, hey, how is everything? Oh, I'm fine. It's all good. It's all, it's all great. My family, we're good, we're good. Just, just to push it off, just to get past that moment. And we respond that we often give that I'm fine and it's all okay. And I'm going to be okay When the truth is, I am not okay. When the truth is, I am hurting. The truth is, my son died in my arms. And the reality is, everything is not well. But don't get me wrong, but I, I didn't want to talk about this with my husband. And I sure don't want to talk about it with you, Gehazi. I want to talk to Him. The one who is God is my salvation. Because that's what Elisha's name means. It means God is my salvation. That's the one I want to talk to. So if I just say it's all, it's all well, it's going to be well, it's well. If, I, if I'm just brushing it off, don't take it personally. But there's some things I can't talk about with you because the reality is you can't do anything for me. But there is a God that I can come to. There is God who is my salvation that when I am weak and when I am weary and when I am troubled, no matter what lot may come my way, I can say it is well. It is well with my soul because now I know who I'm talking to and it's the one who can do the work that I need him to do. There are times that you just have to brush everything and everyone else off and get into the presence of God and get into a prayer closet and get into that place where you can just be raw and honest and open. And though she says it is well, we know the story, we know she's, she's really not well. Because if she was really well and everything was good and fine and dandy, she would have just stayed home. She would have just been content to talk to Gehazi. But inside she said, no, 
I'm just trying to get you to be quiet so I can really get to where I'm trying to get. I need to push aside the distractions. It may even be a spouse. It may even be a loved one that's nearby. Somebody on the pew that you just have to say, I I love you. This has nothing to do with you, but this is between me and Him because He's the one that gave me this promise. He's the one that gave me this child. He's the one that spoke this into my life. And now He's the one that I want to talk to and He's the one that I want to deal with right now. You just have to keep saying it as well until you get to the one who will hear you out where you can fall down at His feet and tell Him what's really going on in your world. And the Bible says she gets there and she falls and she binds His feet and she holds on to Him and clings Him like a child whose parent is dragging their child with them as they hold on to their foot. And she's saying, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go because you're the one that spoke this child into my life. You're the one that told me I would have this child you're the one that promised this to me and I told you not to toy with my emotions I told you don't lie to me preacher and now my son is dead and I'm not going to let go until you do something about it what a resistant woman what a persistent mama that would say I don't care how long it takes I'm going to keep saying it's well to every person that asks me while I hold on to the man of God and while I hold on to the God who is my salvation and say I'm not letting go until you respond I'm not letting go until something happens Elisha is there and Gehazi is trying to pull her off of his legs let the man of God go and Elisha says let her be she's vexed, she's tormented she's so troubled And God hasn't shown me why yet. God hasn't told me what's going on in her life just yet. Please let her go. And she opens up and said, Did I not ask you to not lie to me? Did I not say don't toy with my emotions? After hearing her, he sends Gehazi, his servant, on ahead and tells him to go lay a staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. She said, I'm not going to let go until you come to where I'm at. And Gehazi goes and he tries doing everything in his power. He's a friend. He's a person on the pew. And he's there to try to bring healing and comfort and pat you on the back. Hey, it's going to be okay. It's all going to be good. It's all going to be all right. And he's, he's there doing everything in his power. And the Bible said there is no voice. And there is no hearing. I know we were hoping for better results, but there is no response. There's nothing. No sign of hope. No sign of life. No sign of things that are going well. And Scripture says he would not awaken. And Elisha comes in and the Bible doesn't candy coat it and say, well, Gehazi went in and kind of loosened the jar so that by the time Elisha got there, everything was all good and ready to go. No, the Bible says, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. God is my salvation is where I've said it. 
I've said it in the bed of the one who bears that name. And from the time the woman said it shall be well, to answering the servant and saying it is well, then coming home, and he is in the same condition that I left him in. In the same place where I left him. Everything's exactly the way that it was. Nothing has changed in my circumstance. No great miracle. Nothing the woman did in her best efforts resurrected this child. And the enemy would love to come at this time and taunt you. See, this room that you and your husband spent time building for the man of God. The work you have contributed to the kingdom. (laughs) And now look where that got you. You got him a bed and a table and a candlestick and a stool. And now where has that gotten you? The closer you've gotten to God is my salvation. The closer and more you've spent time with Him and trying to grow deeper in your relationship with God. And it has gotten you nowhere but disappointment. You've given your best years to the work of God. And for what? Look around at the empty room. Look around at the empty promises around you. Look around at the good that was handed to you and then stripped away. From where she lived, Mount Carmel would have been a minimum of 18 miles, depending on the path that she took. She spent a good part of an entire day just getting to the man of God. A day or more going to Mount Carmel and coming home. How long her journey was, we do not know. But for a mother who had a deceased son at home, it was too long. And there are seasons in our life where it seems that things go from bad to worse in a hurry. And the situation just seems to grow dimmer with every passing minute. They say permanent brain damage begins after only four minutes without oxygen. And death can occur as soon as four to six minutes later. And here this woman was on an 18-mile trek to and from. I've just got to get to the man of God. I've just got to get to the one who is my salvation. I've just got to get to the one that I can talk to about this. As fast as the mother was, and as fast as the donkey was able to travel, and as fast as Elisha was to get there, it would not be fast enough to make any real difference, barring a miracle. But the man of God, the Bible says, goes in and shuts the door, and he begins to pray. I don't know what he says. The Bible doesn't fill in those blanks for us, but I can only imagine that the man who was responsible for speaking this blessing over her life also felt very responsible in this moment to pray a prayer over this child and said, you know what? She stretched herself when she pushed past her husband 
to believe. And so I'm going to go over this empty promise, over this lifeless child, and I'm going to stretch myself, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to call out to God and say, Lord, I told her that you would give her a child. And here this child lays upon my bed that they prepared for me. God, they did this for your work. They contributed to your kingdom that I might have a place to stay. That I might have a place to dwell. And God, I'm asking you, Lord, to resurrect this son of theirs. And the Bible says that the flesh of the child waxed warm. And while perhaps alive, he was not living. So then he steps away. And the Bible says he starts pacing the room. He I don't care how long he's been dead. I don't care how long he's been in this condition. His mother said it shall be well. His mother came to the one who is God as my salvation. And Lord, if I leave this place with this little boy still dead, then my name really means nothing. My name doesn't mean what you say it means to that woman. But God, right now, if you hear this word, if you hear the man of God praying right now, I pray that as I stretch myself again, just like the woman stretched herself past Gehazi and said, I want to get to him. God, I stretched myself once, but I'm going to do it again. And the Bible says, and he stretched himself one more time. And all of a sudden, the little boy sits up and the Bible says he sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and the child was living and the child was breathing and everything was good and glorious and he called Gehazi he said go call the woman go tell her to come in here and she comes in he said take your baby in your arms take the promise in your arms again take him and hold him again because all is well everything is good just like you declared maybe you said it in tongue in cheek maybe you said it just to shut them up but you said it and God said I see you and I hear you and you knew where to run when things got hard you knew what to do when you didn't know what else to do and that was run to the one who is my salvation I ask again today is it well I'm sure many of you have heard the story of Horatio Spafford. If you've been at this church for any length of time, we've told it more than once. And there are songs that are written, especially today's world, that just a bunch of people get in a room and, hey, this rhymes, let's write that down. Hey, that's a catchy tune, let's put that and jam to it in church. But then there are some that are jotted down with the hand, but the words are coming from their heart. 
Horatio was a successful attorney and real estate investor who lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. Around the same time as that, his beloved four-year-old son had passed away. Seeing all the trouble and all the calamity, he thought, you know what, we could use a little bit of a break. We could take a vacation and some time away and get our mind off of all of these things. And Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife and his four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of his daughters. His wife, Anna, survived. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England at one point during the voyage. The captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to the deck and as they were passing over the spot where the shipwreck had incurred, Horatio thought about his daughter's words and he thought about the life that he had lived and he thought about his son and the calamity and the fires that had taken place and hope began to fill his heart and his mind and he wrote the words down that we sang today when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sweet sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul The statement of all is well would be echoed in Mark chapter 7 and verse 37. It says, And we're beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. This mother's response was, All shall be well. And all is well. And yet the child was lifeless on the works that were done unto God. Yes, all is well that God does. But we need a shifting today. We need to just swap those two words from is it to it is. Because that little bit of change in your vocabulary can make all the difference in the world. Just a little declaration of hope from your lips. Just a little bit of faith mustered up in your spirit can turn the whole scene where it's no longer a question, but it's a declaration. Where it's no longer a puzzling thing, but you can stand and you can say, It is well. It is well with my soul. Let's all stand here today. All is well with them that are gone if they were in Christ Jesus. And all is well to us who are alive and which remain if we are in Christ Jesus. God does not make mistakes. 
God does not sleep nor slumber and accidentally let something happen. God does not sit back and say, oh no. God does not see your trouble and not realize what happened or what to do about it. So today, when I ask you, is it well? I want there to be a resounding yes from your spirit. Because here's the thing. If there had been no relationship with Elisha, she most likely would have died without ever having this child in the first place. If she had not been sensitive in her spirit to what the man of God needed, if she had not made it a point to commune with him and to break bread with him, He would not have known who she was when she came to Mount Carmel. She would have just been another woman running to the mountain. Just another face with another name. And Gehazi would have probably blocked her from ever even getting close to the man of God. But because she was a great woman, because she had cultivated this bond with God is my salvation, He was not only involved, he was invested. You may be building some things right now, mother, that are preparations for a closer relationship with God. The room was built before the child was ever given. Remember that. Before the, I don't do what I do for accolades. I don't do what I do for a pat on the back and applause and rewards and gifts. The relationship was forged and the desire to do something for God was there long before she was ever promised a son. She just simply said, I want to be closer to Him. I want to know you, God. I want to know the man of God. I, I want to break bread and fellowship. I want to know God is my salvation. Her son was a reward of her efforts. Because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And you may be working on something right now that will be what saves your son later. God saw the room that the miracle would take place in long before the woman ever had it in her heart to build it. But how will you respond? What will you do right now in preparation for then? The relationship did not change after she got what she wanted. Well, I've got my child now, so let's turn that room into a nursery. Let's make that our baby's room because we got what we wanted now. God finally gave me what I asked for, so now all that doesn't matter. Mm -mm. She said we had to fast forward from the time she would have a child to when the child was born and was now old enough to say my head hurts and yet to be small enough to be carried and laid in his mother's lap. Gehazi, the servant, says, is all well with the husband, is all well with you, is all well with the child. Not the baby. It wasn't just, well, let's see, he's probably three or four now. It's, I know these people. I've spent time with these people. 
I've been in that room where I've heard them praying and I've heard them breaking bread and fellowshipping with God as my salvation. There was concern there because there was relationship and investment. How many times did he stay in that room and heard that baby crying in the night? Saw the toddler marking up the walls. God is my salvation has asked me to come today with this question for you as Gehazi. Is it well? Is it well? And I'm looking for a response today from somebody that maybe right now you're holding something with tears falling down your face and you're saying, no, it shall be well. No, but it shall be okay because I'm in the presence of the one who can change my circumstance. I'm in the presence of the one who can respond to my trouble. And today you hold an empty promise. Today you hold something dear close to your heart with trouble in your spirit. But you are a mama on a mission today. You're one that is converted today and said, my husband's not in church today. Oh, but he shall be. My children are lost and and it's not okay right now. It doesn't settle well in my spirit. But it shall be well. Everything's not what I want it to be right this second. But God is my salvation is here right now and I open these altars for somebody who wants to run and fall at his feet and wrap your arms around him and say I'm not going to let you go until you change my circumstance I've laid it in the bed of the man of God I lay it here today God, maybe it's faith. Maybe it's stubbornness. I don't know. But I'm not going to let you go until my circumstance changes. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep fasting. I'm going to keep believing. I don't care how far I've got to walk. I don't care how long it's been gone. I don't care how hard the journey is. I don't care who I've got to ignore, who I've got to push aside. Right now, I've got to get to an altar. I've got to get down on my knees. And I've got to hold on. Come on. Come on, keep saying it. Keep saying it. Come on, keep saying it. Even when the body gets warm, keep saying it. Stretch yourself. Keep declaring it. It shall be. 
it is. It shall be. It is. God, I'm not going to stop declaring it. I'm not going to stop believing. I haven't wasted my time. I haven't wasted my prayers. I haven't wasted my life serving you and living for you. You're as faithful today as you were when you gave it to me, God. Oh, yes, come on, declare it today. It is well. It is well. 